Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture. Have you ever been in the situation where you wanted to learn something, but, uh, you know, you started blaming yourself for what was going on within your brain, within the learning context? Trust me, I've been there, done that, and I've had multiple conversations with teachers about this as well, and actually found that a lot of the teachers were misinformed, and it turns out that a lot of the, the language institutions, or just educational institutions, by and large, are also uh, working on what I like to call outdated software, or software of yesteryear. So, let's dive into this in celebration of the language bootcamp that I'm running in June. If you are interested in this, uh, please check out the show notes below. I'll give it a bit of a pitch at the end as well. A little bit of, uh, little bit of information for you at the end. But uh, basically, it's one month um, for beginners on a language. We're going to start with Spanish. Uh, I'm going to be running these on a monthly basis from every language that's uh, on the Power Language Index, which are the top languages uh, used in the world, including like Russian, Arabic, Mandarin, uh, Portuguese, French, Spanish, German, etc. So, uh, so if you're interested in in a very good language learning methodology, uh, I I uh, motivate you, I inspire you. Uh, what's the right word? Implore? No, I suggest. How about just a suggestion? I invite you. I invite you to go and check out the show notes below, and see uh, see what tickles you. All right. So basically, in in thinking about this, I was prompted by a friend of mine who also was uh, a teacher that um, I trained way back in the day when I was uh, working in a language school in London and running teacher training courses. So teachers would come over from different countries around the world. And, you know, come for inspiration, ideas, activities, you know, concepts, uh, methodologies, you know, basically updates in the training. And so what happened was um, I got a, a message from, from one of these teachers who, mm, poof, it was probably about five or six years ago that, I tr that uh, you know, this teacher came to one of these training courses. And the idea was that uh, this teacher said that they were thinking about my, my different uh, methods and what I had said because I am a huge believer against apps. Okay, so I wanted to make this to clear this up and, uh, and basically talk about the models of education. So if you are someone who wants to learn anything or if you've been through a schooling system, which is pretty much everyone who will listen to this, then get ready. It's going to be epic. So here's the biggest, the biggest thing about learning that you can take away from this, and I'm going to drop this right now. Emotions are connected intrinsically and very, very, very strongly to learning. If you are learning something and you are not interested in it, stop. Stop right now. Thank you very much. I need some learning with a human touch. So... <laughs> The, the very simple concept is that the more emotional it is, the more it's going to engage you, you're going to, and no matter what the learning looks like, I mean, you could go the most roundabout, ass-backwards way of learning a subject. If you are passionate, if you are interested in it, if you have curiosity to explore this, if you have some kind of emotional connection with it, you will learn it better than a person who's got the perfect methodology, but they have no passion. Seriously, your time is better spent. Plus, it's, it's about fulfillment and engagement as well. So that being said, the, the first thing that I will say is that, you know, all your educational institutions out there, 
don't get this right. They talk about it, but they don't teach you how to emotionally connect with the subject. So there are two models for this, two schools of thought when we talk about connecting emotionally to something. So school number one is like, well, only study the things that you are currently passionate about. So what are you passionate about? Well, I like I like gaming. Okay, cool. So then change your games into things uh, you know um, that will support your learning. So for example, if you're learning Spanish, you know, and, you're, and you love gaming, then tr- change your game language into Spanish. So you'll game and you'll, uh, you know, use Spanish at the same time. So that's one mode of thinking about this. But I find this incredibly limiting. And people do the same thing with regard to like business. Oh, only, you know, only start a business with something you're passionate about. Well, no, but that's, that's very limiting. That's not, that's saying something like, I want you to imagine that when you were 13 years old, what were you passionate about? Now imagine if you only continued uh, participating in activities along those lines of things that you were passionate about and you never explored anything else new and you never kind of sat with something and tried to find a passion for something that, that you'd never experienced before, you know? And that is the second school of thought. The second school of thought is go to something that you have to do. So for example, if you're a business owner and you have to write an email, you know, instead of taking the the attitude of like, oh, I've got to write this email, asking the questions of like, how can I make this something that's enjoyable? How can I have fun with this? How can I communicate myself? How can I serve people better? And the idea of emotion above all is this idea of expanding your range of what you're interested in, of what is passion for you, what passion means to you. So this is point number one, okay? Making sure that you're going with what is passionate for you and expanding on that passion. And so that skill will then take us into what is point number two. Point number two is talking about transfer, a transfer of a skill. In anything, any type of education you are doing, you are focusing on skill developments. If you look at one of my podcasts, I said skill development, skill growth is everything. Skills are everything. And the reason why I say this is because there are meta skills, skills that govern other skills, and there's going to be a transfer. So for example, if I improve reading skills, then study Um, is included underneath that umbrella but then also um, you know hobbies are included underneath that umbrella and then maybe you know work could be included in underneath that umbrella so learning to improve the meta skill where there is a high amount of transfer it's called near transfer effect there's a good amount of transfer into other areas so instead of specializing in one area yes there is a law of specificity so follow that if you have a demand right now that you can't ignore but if you have time to prepare yourself focusing on the meta skills that will transfer into the most domains possible will actually be the most rewarding for you as well and so this idea of transfer then leads to skill development and so when we are talking about emotions being able to um, find some kind of passion in what you're doing being able to um, take a subject that's incredibly boring and exercising that skill for you to Uh, explore the subject and find something that you like about it, something that's interesting, finding ways to connect to that subject. That particular skill, let's call that skill the skill of connecting passion, okay? That connecting passion skill, once you've flexed it once, okay, it's, it's a little bit of a weak muscle right now, it's a little bit of a weak skill, so we exercise it, we flex it, and we do it one time, we do it again, we do it again, and then by the time you're on the, your fifth time of doing it, 
It's actually something that's so easy for you, so innate for you. And pretty soon you'll find that almost every subject is now available to you because nothing is boring. History, art, mathematics, geography, trigonometry, you know, stoichiometry. That was a new one for me this year. But the idea is that now you are enjoying your exploration of everything. And so um, highly recommend you for, for you to check out the other audio is the human operating system uh, part, uh, the second part of it, which is the emotional part. Uh, I'll link in the show notes below. And that talks about a couple of different models of emotion that might help you out here. So just a quick overview, the broaden and build theory is something that I hugely uh, promote with a lot of people. Um, you know, just thinking as this as a frame of directing your emotions to be happier. And so there are four major emotions in there. The, the first one is going to be play, which is to have um, something for you to get caught up in a game or something like that where you're participating, you're, you're being active, but you don't care about the results. The process is more fun for you. So play, okay? Uh, the second one is then going to be uh, explore, and that's going for curiosity and like, huh, I wonder. The third then is going to be savoring, just enjoying a particular moment. So that's sitting still and looking around and appreciating things. And you can do that within your own learning as well as within a subject. So the meta skill is appreciating your own exploration of a topic as well. And then the fourth one is going to be sharing. You know, sharing your experience, sharing your, uh, your curiosity, your exploration, sharing your savoring, whatever it may be, those ways of connecting with people. So you make something social and emotional. And that is a great way to connect with a topic. So uh, I'll highly recommend that you check that out. Link in the show notes below. All right, so let's carry on and let's talk about brain transfer. Right, so brain transfer. Okay, when we are discussing skills, <clears throat> you know, let's, uh, for the purposes of the language bootcamp, I will, I will go into language learning specifically, and then I'll extend it out to other educational paradigms. So the very simple point is that reality doesn't mix together with what people understand in their brains. Very often, beliefs and reality are in opposition. So for example, if you've got a language learning app like Duolingo, the belief that, that not just you, but the app developers have is that if we make this more gamified, if we play it, you're more likely to, to participate and you're more likely to learn. Okay. The principle that, that, yes, is a good thing there is this idea of consistency. It creates consistency. Congratulations, you are now more consistent. There was a time, I don't know if you remember or if I'm showing my age now, where there were these, uh, what were known as MOOCs, massive open online courses. Uh, Coursera was a big one. But basically, you had hundreds of thousands of people signing up to a free online course that was open to anyone, and I signed up for like 15 of them, I think. And I love them. And now the, the interesting thing about these is that if you looked at the data over time, the atrophy rate for these was incredibly high. It was like 90% drop-off rate. And then even then, after the first 10 lectures, you had then the final 8% dropping off with like a 2% completion rate. It was devastatingly low. So... As an educational platform, not a great idea. Not a great idea at all. And what motivates people actually is, like I said, emotional and social connection. So while there was a social connection, a lot of people interacting, it wasn't necessarily meaningful in terms of education. So 
we have to look at the reality of what it is. You know, apps that, that get you on your phone and get you going there, yeah, sure, they could be emotionally connecting and you could be interacting with people, but are they meaningful? Are they getting you the results in the language that you want? And more often than not, people will actually go through this and they will invest hours of their life on an app like Duolingo or whatever, you know, like, I mean, trust me when I say this, but none of these apps or anything are, um, you know, exempt from what I'm talking about. Because the main thing is, is that you will invest all this time and energy into those things. By the time you are finished, you will be at an A2 level maximum. Now, for those of you who need a refresher, there are three levels according to the European frameworks, which is A, B, and C. And A is beginner, B is intermediate, and C is going to be your advanced. And they separate those into like A1 and A2. So like low beginner and high beginner. And so we can take it as like beginner plus, um, you know, elementary plus pre-intermediate. And then your B1, B2 is going to be intermediate, upper intermediate. And then your C1, C2 is going to be advanced and proficiency. So anyone who goes through any of these apps will finish them and be at a maximum A2. For the amount of hours that you've invested in there, it is a poor return on investment. Okay. And, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, people can do what they want to do. And so I will refer you to the first rule that we talked about. That is, if you are passionate about it, if that's what gets you going, if that's what helps you stay consistent, if that's the emotional trigger that helps you out the most, then stay with it. Here, here I am poo-pooing this, this idea of like Duolingo and apps. But the truth is, is that stay with it. If the emotional consistency is there, stay with it. Because it's better than doing nothing. And that's, that's what I say about everything. You know, like doing, you know, poor exercise every day, as long as you're not injuring yourself. You know, if you're just doing like a little bit of exercise, it's not the most efficient way to work or optimal. Better than nothing. And every little bit helps especially with this type of thing. And over time, what's going to happen is you will eventually outgrow it and you will start searching for other things that are more emotional for you. And again, you will be able to transfer, transfer, transfer. Now, if you're looking at school in the same vein as well, same thing applies where it's not emotional. In schools, we tend to force people to learn certain things. We don't force them or like help them develop their skills to be able to connect emotionally to something. And so because we force them to do it and we, you know, we say, okay, well, you got to do this, you got to do this. It is a very inefficient model of learning. And um, by the time they finish, they might have a rudimentary understanding because they did only that which was necessary to get enough marks to go forward rather than just explore the passion of the topic. So we've got, a, we've got an issue there, definitely. Now, if we go back to language learning, again, the huge, huge proponent that I believe in is that when you look at apps, apps are usually made by developers who have no idea about language learning, but they might consult a linguist or you know, a language professor. Now, we've got three different areas intersecting here. So let me show you, let me share with you. Area number one is going to be academia. Area, area number two is going to be then your uh, technical sides, the, the startups, the companies, the app developers, etc. And then area number three is then going to be the practical side of things. Now, academia at best is distant from what happens real world in the classroom with motivations, in business. Okay, so there's a very big 
uh, gap, a broad, broad, broad space divide between what is happening in academia and what is happening in classrooms, in businesses, in language learning programs. Huge divide. And that is a big problem. And really, we need to put all three of these areas together if we want to get anywhere. So one of the biggest things that I found is that skill development of the learner is more important than really the material. So once we focus on skill, skill development, for example, the three biggest skills, or for, let's say four biggest skills that I found is going to be number one, your ability to deconstruct what you find. Number two, your ability to memorize what you find. And so deconstruction, memory, there's a lot of rehearsal in there as well to be able to perform this. So deconstruction, memory. After that, we've got what's known as manipulation, which is being able to change and adjust things and be a little bit more creative with it. And then number four is then going to be threading, where you basically then use this threaded together with other language sentences, etc., for appropriate contexts. And all four skills need to be trained. And that's just general language learning. That's not even specifically for listening, for reading, for writing, uh, for speaking in particular tasks. You know, you can go in depth and in detail, but these are the four general language learning skills that I have found that if I train learners up in those, they become like the gold standard and the learners become like the beefcakes of language learning. So in saying all of that, you know, what skills do the apps train you up in? And very, very seldom do any language learning courses out there, apps, uh, you know, CD, course books, whatever it is, textbooks, actually train people up in how to approach their language learning, how to think about their language learning as well. And so for this idea, the main concept is this idea of brain transfer. Right? Are you developing a skill that will transfer over? So when I train people up with um, you know, these language learning skills, the initial skill is deconstruction. There is automatically a transfer effect from deconstruction over to other areas of life. For example, a person could then deconstruct, um, let's say they, they want to learn how to cook. The deconstruction skill comes in there. The rehearsal, the memorization skills come in there. Then also the threading comes in there. The manipulation comes in there. For example, exchanging one ingredient for another or putting ingredients together in a particular sequence. So the process, the way of approaching learning something is transferable. And it's not just for languages. So the more that that person exercises that meta skill of language learning, they will actually find very, very strong transfer effect over to other areas of their lives. And even if they're not trying to necessarily learn anything, they come into a situation that they have to fix a problem. Problem solving. Step number one, deconstruct it, you know? And part of deconstruction is about assessment, assessing the context, assessing all of the parts that are involved in this. So by training your mind up just with language learning, you're now actually a better uh, problem solver. You know, and part of manipulation and threading is about assessing social context as well. So you can become a better team participant, a team member, a team leader, just by working along this frame as well. So in saying all of this, there are near transfer effects with the right model of education. And what you find usually in educational institutions is outdated ways of approaching education as well. Uh, a very simple one for you. Ooh, the parrots are out. Can you hear the parrots? 
<laughs> there are, um, I think the, the two main ones that I revolt against is, <laughs> the big one for me is, is really uh, learning styles. If you've ever heard the learner styles uh, idea, where, oh, I'm a visual learner, I'm an auditory learner, oh, I'm a kinesthetic learner, I need to do and see, and like there is zero empirical evidence to back this up. It is a theory. And so to sidestep the amount of backlash that was um, was coming out of like professional institutions, you know, people then and, you know, training institutions and, and people started justifying it. Instead of calling it learner styles, they then called it, oh, learner preferences. And the thing is, is that, yes, every learner has a preference, but there is a blueprint for your brain on how your brain best reacts to information. And of course, it is all of them. Because your brain reacts to social contexts that are meaningful, colorful, the most. So it is going to be visual. It is going to be paired with an auditory component. The more kinesthetic you can make it, the better. The more social you can make it, the better. So there is a general blueprint, which means that we can throw away this idea of learner preference or learner styles, whichever you want to call it. Because ultimately, the idea is you should be presenting your information in particular ways, and you should be asking your, your clients, your students to interact with information in particular ways that grow their skills. And so, again, it comes back to this idea of it makes the point moot as long as you're focusing on skill development. So there was another one which was um, very famously made by Tim Ferriss, so I'll attach it below. Um, he, it's only a third, a third of his TED Talk, so uh, I'll attach the the TED Talk with the time embedded, where he talks about materials over methodology. And he shows his experience with talking about learning Japanese and how he went through all of these different methods to learn Japanese. And eventually he just thought, well, what's the minimum effective dose? And he found something called the Joyo Kanji, which are the 2,000 words that he needs in Japanese to learn um, in order to read all print or like the majority of print Japanese, which you know, by rights is a great idea. So it's a very efficient material. But the way of acquiring the material is still scrambled. And that becomes the issue. So it's not this, it's it's not the idea that the material is wrong. It's the idea that you could learn with a very inefficient material, but if you have a very efficient method of introducing the material into your brain, you strengthen the ways that the brain then accepts this information. And it means that you could you could then watch a Netflix series and pretty much learn almost the entirety of that series by heart in that language and transfer it over to life just by using the right methodology. And so that's that's as far as it goes. So this idea of materials over method, no, 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 no. Again, start with the methodology and start with the idea of what is going on inside the brain first, okay? What can what gets results? What does the brain respond to? So we're looking at a neuroscientific perspective. And then we're thinking about institutions and how does this function and, and applying this to languages. Language is just a subset of how this brain actually works, okay? So all of those aside, the second thing that I have a major issue with is the multiple intelligences, if you've ever heard of that. Multiple intelligences. Um, yes, they say that, uh, oh, my brain is musical. My brain is linguistic. My brain is this. Once again, zero empirical data. It's actually called the, the multiple intelligences hypothesis because 
it can't be proven. And so throw away these things that are falsifiable. You cannot prove, but you cannot disprove either. If, if you can't do that, yeah, keep it in your mind as something to play with, but don't base you know, hard, substantial uh, programs out there on that. So I hope that this uh, really served as food for thought for you for this idea of training up skills and the transfer effect of skill development within your brain and how that works with education, but how they can also cross over into other fields of life. So once again, I'm doing this because um, I was prompted by a friend of mine with regard to language learning and applications. And also I was prompted because I'm running, um, I'm starting up my boot camps. What they are for, they are four sessions, 100 phrases to try and dip your toe into a language so that you can have confidence with not just your methodology, but then your abilities as well to automatically have your initial conversation with someone of like, hello, how are you? Where do you come from? What are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you learning this language? How long have you been learning? You know, like all the particular questions that you might encounter in your first encounter with someone in that language. And that is just the start. So... Right now, we're beginning with Spanish, so if you're interested, I'll attach uh, a link to an information page below, and you can absolutely come and check it out. Very excited. It runs every Sunday in June from 10 to 12.30 Pacific Standard Time. That's LA time, and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. And if not, don't worry, another episode coming soon. Uh, leave your thoughts, your comments, your questions anywhere you can. If you want to find me at Justin Nope on Instagram, that's N-O-P-P-E. You know, come and check me out. Send me a message. Tell me what you think. I'd love to hear from you. If you want me to cover any particular topics on uh, thinking, thought architecture, uh, mental models, mindsets, anything like that, I am absolutely salivating ready to do it but for right now it's just about making sure that there's one one new podcast every single week for you uh share this with a friend start a conversation have a cup of coffee and uh yeah strengthen those social skills i love you lots i hope you have a wonderful day and uh yes ciao